Welcome to the Warrior's Cry. This is a broadcast to the church by the church. So I just want to introduce you to basically the concept of this show. First off, I'll tell you that the show is all about the body of Christ. And what does that mean to you as a fellow Christian? Well, we all are part of the body. We all are part of uh, one another in a way that is very unique to the Christian church. And that is that we are to be united and stand in agreement with one another. So this first week, I had the pleasure of actually getting to meet with uh, a pastor friend of mine uh, and my pastor of New Covenant Church in Clyde, North Carolina. And I'm really excited about that because you get to hear a little bit, not really a whole lot, but a little bit about him and his ministry and what he feels uh, is important in this united body of Christ. So keep listening as I go ahead and play the interview. Um, the interview is roughly about 35 minutes, and uh, this is the very first actual interview. Um, so please bear with me as I learn this craft, and I'm looking forward to the future weeks and uh, interviews that I have scheduled and lined up. Um, but definitely, definitely am glad that you're here and uh, looking forward to hearing your comments and your feedback. James Edwards for the Warriors Cry podcast. I just wanted to introduce um, my first guest in the podcast series uh, about unity in the body of Christ. And I've got Pastor Nick Honerkamp of New Covenant Church in Clyde, North Carolina. And uh, I'm going to give him a few minutes to kind of introduce himself and talk about uh, his vision for his house and the community here in Clyde. Thank you, James, for letting me come and be a part of this podcast. And it happens to be a subject I am passionate about. Um, my name is Nick Connor Camp, and I have been uh, the senior pastor at New Covenant Church in Clyde for 12 years. Was on staff for six years before that, so I've been here for a while, and I've been part of our community for a long time. And um, one of the areas that we're a little bit different than other churches is I, I I'm not a pastor of the congregation here at New Covenant Church. I believe that I'm here to train the congregation of New Covenant to be pastors for our community. I believe that every member in our church should be a, a minister out in the community and uh, that we all have giftings, anointings, and callings that we should walk in. And so because of that, um, I, I, I don't focus on our congregation as the end-all or the mission field. I focus on the community as the mission field and just help mobilize our congregation to go out and to do those things. And I found that most of the things that God puts his finger on uh, that are birthed from heaven are way bigger than one congregation can accomplish. And because of that, um, we have to work very closely with other uh, churches and other nonprofits 
so that uh, we can accomplish the things that God um, wants to accomplish in our community. And we just happen to be in a real amazing season of grace in uh, Western North Carolina where churches are working together and are doing big things that could not be done by one organization. So thank you for letting me come and be a part of this conversation because it truly is my passion. Well, I'm thrilled to have you, Pastor Nick. You've been an inspiration of mine since uh, 2008 when I first started coming here. And, um, you know, I definitely have to say that the, the success rate of uh, the body of Christ being united in this community is, is a lot higher than anywhere else that I've seen. Um, you know, first off, I'm going to kind of start with uh, the verse that is the foundational verse for the Warriors Cry Ministry, and that is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 10 through uh, 13. And uh, this is uh, being read out of the New American Standard uh, Version of the Bible. Uh, so basically it starts with, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I have Apollos, I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Uh, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So, starting with that, Pastor Nick, what does that verse mean to you? Well, I guess um, sometimes we in the body of Christ treat people with a different label as if they're not Christians at all. If they don't follow our brand or our theology, uh, and that verse says to me that we were all became the body of Christ at the foot of the cross. And so if you're a Christian and you disagree with me on theology, but you agree with me on relationship with Jesus, that trumps everything else. And, um, and so I, I, in a decade ago, uh, the Baptists wouldn't work with the Methodists or the Methodists work with the Baptists. I mean, I saw that a decade ago, I saw the shift start to take place where I really believe that God is dealing with denominationalism. And, and it doesn't matter what denomination it is. I really believe that we have set up man-made divisions within the body of Christ to uh, protect ourselves from fellowshipping with people that disagree with us or to protect our theology. I think it comes out of a purity of theology. I think most people fight for their denomination because they believe it's the purest form of religion that they have found. But in that fight, we reject people who are slightly different than ourselves and I'll just give you one quick little example. Um, the Baptists will not do any social justice unless they get the right to preach the gospel as well. And I know that was a pretty blanket statement. Let me rephrase that. Most Baptists won't be participate in social justice unless they get to preach the gospel because they are first and primarily called to win the loss to Jesus. On the other hand, a lot of Methodists will be involved in social justice projects and, and it doesn't matter to them whether they get to preach the, the, the gospel at all. Jesus said, if you've given water to the thirsty or fed the hungry or clothed the naked, then you've done that to me. And they see the value in that. But what we've done is, is we tend to demonize one position or the other, where I think, praise the Lord, we have Methodists who will serve when they can't preach the gospel. And thank the Lord that when the Baptists show up, they're going to tell somebody about Jesus I just think the Lord always intended for all of us to do this together instead of demonizing someone who is different than we are. Right. You know, I actually, uh, several years ago, I had a dream, and this is why the, the Warriors Cry 
foundational verse is that First uh, Corinthians chapter one verses ten through thirteen. You know, I had a dream where I was standing in a field and I saw the body of Christ mutilated and destroyed in front of me, and in front of me at the top of a hill, um, I saw this huge table and it was filled with the feast like you would not believe, and in the middle there was this t- uh, this this bowl. And, uh, you know, and I walked up to the bowl and inside of it was the head of Jesus. And he looked up at me and he said, this is my body broken for you. Mm. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And, and if you notice in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, it not only talks about um, uh, the divisions in, in the church, but it also talks about the schisms, and you know, and I, I got into looking at the actual uh, the Greek behind a lot of the words that were in the verse uh, chapter uh, one, verses ten, and you know, the one thing that really made me um, kind of take aback was uh, the part where it says "made complete." It says, uh, "But you will be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment." And "made complete" comes from the Greek word "katartizo." Uh, which means to complete thoroughly, to frame, to mend, to join together, to restore. And then I also went on to look at judgment um, and uh, divisions. And judgment comes from the word, uh, or actually mind, comes from the word noose, which means to understand. So in the scripture where it says that we all agree and that there be no divisions and that we'll be made complete in the same mind, it means that we'll be complete in the same understanding of the scriptures. And then it goes on to judgment, which comes from the word nome, which means that we are agreeing with each other. Now the interesting thing is, is that when we get into talking about agreement in the body of Christ, all of a sudden the, the, the Holy Spirit gets dredged into this, because next thing you know you've got the denominations fighting over, you know, Baptism. When is baptism uh, important? You know, is it important as an infant? Is it important to sprinkle? Is it important to immerse? Is it important at all? Is it uh, is is it in general? Is it for believers only, or is it for anybody? You know. And then we got tongues. You know, tongues is probably one of the number one things that have divided the body of Christ because so many churches are afraid of tongues, and they're afraid of the prayer language, and they're afraid of all of this stuff. So what is your take on these pieces um, that you think drive a wedge between all the different divisions, the denominations? Well, one of the things that I think that creates healthy relationships is when we can experience things together. And if you and I go to a Carolina Panthers football game, we build memories, we build camaraderie, we have things in common. And if we build a strong enough relationship there may be a time we talk politics and we find out we totally disagree on politics, but we have enough of a relationship that that's not as important to us. And what has happened within the denominationalism is, is that we've separated ourselves from other people in the body of Christ over a belief. And we never had the relationship to sit down and talk through some of those issues. Uh, it, by human nature, uh, if you're a conservative Republican and you want to watch the news, you turn on Fox News. And you're not going to hear anything on Fox News that challenges your position. It's just people that agree with you. And if you're a left liberal and you want to watch the news, you turn on CNN or BBC and you find people who don't only agree with you. And too many times 
we find a church that agrees with all of our theology and we don't do life with anybody else that has a different theology. So what I think is happening today is I see the body of Christ. God is causing us to get outside the walls and do some things together, which is causing relationship, which allows us to say, I've never met someone who spoke in tongues. Can you explain to me what that's all about? And that helps to broach some of those harder subjects and some of those controversial subjects. And that's what I'm seeing. I, I have some great Baptist pastor friends who disagree with me on a couple um, items of theology, but they've never had a relationship with somebody that they could sit down and have an honest conversation, look at the Bible, and because of that, I feel like that we're better as a body of Christ. I used to be totally against papal baptism. I did not believe that a, a baby should be baptized, and I was totally against it until I sat down with a Methodist minister. And I said, how can you baptize a child who's never made a choice for God? He says, you're looking at it all wrong. We baptize babies believing that God's faithfulness will save them one day, not that this baptism is going to save them one day. We're, we're asking God to intervene and save them. When, and that's why they have confirmation when they become of age. And until I never, I was totally against papal baptism until a Methodist minister helped me to see it's the parent's act of faith consecrating their baby to the Lord and asking God to seal that moment. So that's a couple different thoughts. Well, I don't know if you know, but I was raised Lutheran, and I went to a Lutheran church pretty much most of my childhood, and uh, I was baptized as a baby, and, and I've always had problems with the ide ideology and the theology, really, of infant baptism, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the interesting thing is I don't choose to fight over something like sure. that. Sure. You know, and I think a lot of times the churches want to fight over these little things, you know, which brings me on to the next subject. You know, uh, a few years ago, actually probably about uh, 20 years ago now, um, I had started up a coffee shop uh, with uh, one other person at an old church that I was actually part of, and we really wanted it to be a youth thing. We had, like, games. We brought in, like, these bands. You know, we had, like, Building 429. You know, now they're pretty big, but they actually came to perform, and we had a bunch of different... Uh, uh, Christian rock artists come, we had Disciple, we had all these different groups come, and um, we invited youth groups from all these different churches, and the one thing that they said to me um, when we invited them is, we don't want you stealing our kids. Mm -hmm. We don't want you stealing our kids and taking them to your church. So the next part of this uh, conversation goes to, why do you think we are so obsessed with building our individual house versus building the kingdom of God? A couple of things. One, I think it's human nature uh, that you're either building or protecting. And so uh, as we grow through our life for 20 years, our 20s decade, our 30s, or 40s, we're building. But you watch people as they start getting ready to retirement and they have, if they've amassed some wealth, their whole focus becomes how do I protect what I've amassed and so a lot of times if you're not building something and can see growth you tend to revert back to trying to protect and keep what you already have uh, the second thing is is I don't like it my name's on the sign out front I don't like it uh, uh, my leadership team had to talk me into putting my name on the sign out front as the pastor of this church to me, it's New Covenant Church, and the, the, the glory of this house is that God lives here among godly people, and who cares who the senior pastor is. But 
to a lot of people that is important. So my name's out there. And if there's any problems at New Covenant, I take responsibility for it. So I think in many ways, I mean, somebody will come and criticize the church about something. And I take it personally because I care about the church. And, and, and if we're failing somebody or drop the ball on somebody, uh, at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of people that go home and they don't worry about that. But I go home and I think about it. And I think that um, a lot of folks... Uh, can't get to the thought process of how to give our lives away outside the walls of our church in a manner that no one will ever get any credit because there's so much drama going in, on inside the church that they never get out there. They never get beyond that. And I think that people want fame. I think people want to make a paycheck. I think people want to feel successful. So they focus on the things that's going to you know, add up in that column of their life. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, and that was always a big struggle for me is because I really wanted to open up the doors and to bring these kids in, not because I wanted to build up the particular house that I was part sure. of, but because I wanted to give kids a place to get off the street, to, yeah. you know, to, to come together and, and learn the love of Christ, which brings me on to the next subject, um, the transformative love of Christ. I've heard you talk about it a lot. And... When it comes to the transformative love of Christ, you know, we, we all think, oh, well, he loves us as long as we listen. Mm-hmm. He loves us as long as we follow. But the struggle that I have there, and I see a lot of churches struggle with it too, they're all talking about, you know, well, he loves you a, a, until you, a certain point. Mm-hmm. But if you stop listening, he turns his back on you. Mm-hmm. And you also see a lot of these churches do that as well. So... I had a conversation with my stepfather the other night, and he was talking about a, a guy that he knows who turned away from Christ because he had an uncle who happened to be homosexual. Okay. And in the Baptist church he was raised in, there was an elderly gentleman who he had respected for a very long time, and his mom was being prayed after his uncle uh, prayed for after his uncle had been pa- had passed away. And when the gentleman found out that the person that he was praying for was gay, he stopped praying right then and there, and he said, there's nothing I can do for you. He's in hell. So the interesting thing is, is it seems like, you know, hey, I personally believe that homosexuality is wrong, personally. However, I don't believe it's any different than any other sin, personally. Um, And to see that... um, a church would actually chastise and say somebody goes to hell or a person goes to hell can injure so many people. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that, uh, one, sexual behavior is one of the first places the church begins to crucify people, and yet all of us have a sexual side, and many of us have walked in sexual dysfunctions. Uh, I think the Bible is very clear that marriage is between one man and one woman. But there's as much sin inside of a marriage or inside of the church as there can be outside of the church. And why we would pick one sin and then label someone with that one sin, I think is wrong. Uh, I think one of the other areas where we see the same kind of example is with Islam and with ISIS. Uh, Good Christian people think they have a legitimate reason to hate Islam and believe that God wants to kill them all. And that is totally unscriptural. God loves the Muslim like he loves the believer. He loves the person. He wants relationship. 
God doesn't want to kill uh, the Muslims. God wants to love the Muslims and see them get saved. And yet, for some reason, because we are not saturated in the love of God, when we see someone behaving badly or even working contrary to God's will, we think God wants to kill them. But the Bible says that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because of his love. And I truly believe that that is the, that is the thing. You know, Jesus says, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I said it Sunday morning in service, I think the number one uh, key uh, or the number one measurement for spiritual maturity is your love for one another. That you cannot get close to God and not love people more. And so there's been a, a, an excess of law in the church and there's been a deficit of love. And I think when we get that right, we're going to fix a lot of these other problems. Well, and that comes back to another point that, that I've often thought of and I've actually made is that a lot of us Christians have really become Pharisees, you know. Absolutely. Because we, we want to crucify somebody because they're different from us, even though behind closed doors we're doing the exact same thing, maybe in a different way, yeah. but we're still doing the same thing. And when it comes to unity in the church, how do you feel like churches should really address that as, as a united front? You know, how do you think we should address that as a united front? In the local church or between churches? Between churches, as a local church, as a community, how do you think we should, should address that? Well, I think it's going to take a couple key spiritual leaders that can see beyond their own local congregation. Uh, I, I firmly believe for me and you to walk in agreement, or for you and I to walk in unity, that both of us have to have our eyes on Christ. We can't have our eyes on each other or we'll find differences of opinions that will cause a wedge between us. Right. But I think if I'm walking with the Lord the best I know how, you're walking with the Lord the best you know how, we can come into agreement around that. Uh, but also with, within the, the body of Christ in a region, I think there has to be a couple spiritual leaders that can think beyond their local congregation. to Like going back to your uh, coffee house. If the coffee house is not in a local church, but in a neutral setting, if the coffee house is not doesn't have its own youth group, I've found that you have 10 times better chance of getting other people to participate. If it's on an individual church's campus, there are people that will not participate for fear that they might lose their kids or lose whatever to that church. So if you have a, a large Christian concert, if you have an evangelistic crusade, if you have a community-wide prayer movement, if you have a, uh, you start a new homeless shelter or whatever, if you can uh, make room for all the denominations and all the churches and do something in the public, and, but see, that's, that's why it's happening. God wants to advance his kingdom outside the church and the churches won't do it if it's not on neutral ground. So they have to go out in the community. Whenever they do, they stumble into unity. And they realize, hey, we have a lot more common than we thought we did. But I think that's God's divine plan because we haven't done it on our own. So he forces us to use the model he wants to use, which is advance the kingdom in the community. Right. Right. I find that interesting. I definitely do. I wish, you know, that is a lesson that I learned after the coffee house was that we should have done it on neutral ground. Um, at the time, I was honestly young and immature, and even though I was a youth leader, you know, not not many below 30s really have 
their mind uh, completely uh, saturated with knowledge or wisdom at that point. So, um, so getting back to the topic of transformative love of Christ, you know, a few years ago, um, I had uh, an interesting experience where, you know, God was really ministering to me about the, the, the total love of Christ and, you know, and that God wants us to love regardless of who that other person is. And I made a, you know, a Facebook post uh, a few years ago, and um, I actually called myself out and said, you know, hey, as Christians, if we have somebody who is, I don't know, a Jehovah's Witness that comes and knocks on our door, what do we do? Normally, a Christian might slam the door in their face. Normally, a Christian might turn them away and say, I know my God. Normally, they might argue with them. But what I actually challenged my readers at the time to do was to invite them in. Let them sit. Offer them a drink. Just let them have a chance to, to speak. All the while, you just showing them the love of Christ. And hopefully, you'll plant a seed. You know, because, you know, the Bible says Paul uh, or Apollos planted the seed, Paul watered, but Christ gives the increase. You know, we never typically have the opportunity to bring someone from the seed stage to the water stage to the right. salvation stage, typically. Um, and so I made that call, and as soon as I wrote that blog post, all of a sudden, a knock came on my door, <laughs> and it was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. And I know that God was challenging me at that yeah. point, and I invited them in, just like I had said in my letter. Of course, they didn't want to come in. So I stood out on the porch and talked to them for a few minutes. And as they left, they said this was the best Christian household we've ever come to. Cool. He showed us love even though we didn't agree. Yes. And, you know, which brings me back to the unity statement. Um, the fact of the matter is, is yes, there is a lot of theology out there, a lot of different things that we may agree or disagree but as a body of Christ, you know, the finger doesn't serve the same purpose as a nose. Absolutely. Nor does the ear with the eye, you know, and the, the Bible was clear about that. So when it comes down to it, you know, we don't necessarily have to all agree on tongues to be unified. Would right. you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. So why do you think we really use those things to tear each other apart? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, if you really love your child, uh, as they grow, mine are adults now, and I love my children very much, and there are things of me that are in them that I can see, but then there's other opinions they have that I totally disagree with, but it doesn't impact my love for them. And so I think what we've done in the body of Christ is we haven't had a godly love and a respect how dare us reject someone who believes a little differently than we do when Jesus has accepted them? If Jesus says they're sitting at the Mary's Supper of the Lamb, how dare us say we'll have nothing to do with their lives? And yet, we'll do that. so when there's a deficit of love, there's a myriad of reasons why you can disagree and not have to do life with somebody. But when you truly, truly, truly love someone and recognize God loves them too, then there really isn't one good reason to walk in disunity. So because of that, my philosophy is, is that I put 100% of my energy in the areas we agree. I put 0% energy in the areas we disagree. I have no desire to change your mind. I have a desire to walk in relationship with you. Amen. You know, a few years ago, and this is your impact on my life, um, I didn't know exactly how to walk this unity thing out. You know, I, 
I had several dreams about uni- uh, unity in the church, and um, and it was always such a big goal that I didn't really understand where to go with it. Um, and I remember, you know, I started writing a book, you know, back in 2001, yeah. 2002, called Unity, or um, Two or More Bringing Unity to a Divided Church. And I get about halfway through it, and all of a sudden I get writer's block, and then I try to start over, and I write it again later, and I get about halfway through it, and I get writer's block, and then about six months, seven months after that, I try to write it again, and I get writer's block about halfway through it. And I kept doing that for probably uh, about six or seven years, and I probably have about eight or nine different manuscripts of half a book. Um, I tried to unite them together, but they just don't make sense when you try to unite them together. And I let you read like the first three chapters of one of those manuscripts, and you thought uh, at the time you thought that it was necessary for the body, mm-hmm. um, and you thought that the points that I made were really really good. However, you also made a point a few months ago in uh, a sermon. You said, you know, sometimes we birth things that are broken, and we pray for those things that are broken. All the while, God wants us to birth a complete thing, something that he wants to utilize, which is the result of this podcast. You know, I felt like, you know, maybe a book might not be the best way to address this, but maybe talking with different pastors would be. And so that's kind of where this idea came from. So I definitely want to appreciate you on that. And you did give me an opportunity a few years ago, and, and it really blew their minds when I actually got to sit, uh, got to go to their church and help out. But you'd made a call in the church that there was a local Baptist church that was um, having a tent revival. And you had asked several people in the church, you said it in front of uh, the whole congregation, to just go and blow their mind and help. Yeah. And, you know, I went, and there might have been one other person from our church that went. And when we showed up, they're like, oh, where do you go? Which Baptist church do you go to? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I don't go to a Baptist church. And they said, really, where do you go? And I said, well, I go to New Covenant Church in Clyde. And the pastor literally looked at me like he saw a two-headed deer or Mm -hmm. something. And he said, well, boy, you do realize that that's a Pentecostal church, right? I said, well, it is. And he said, well, we're a Baptist church. We don't necessarily agree. And I said, it's not about whether or not I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's about whether or not I love you Mm -hmm. to hopefully see people come to Christ through our work. And I definitely wanted to thank you for that. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on my first podcast, because you have really inspired me to do a lot of the things that I probably would not have done, nor would I have known about Mm -hmm. um, because of that. So, you know, in in closing, what what are some additional thoughts you think um, about uh, your vision? Because I I know a few years ago you talked about one church, Mm -hmm. and I haven't heard you talk about it since, but you did talk about one church a few years ago. Are you still kind of, is that still part of your vision, or is that kind of mutating into something else, or what, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, we learned some things. Um, about eight years ago, myself and four other pastors got together and spent a couple of days in prayer. And uh, a couple of those were Baptist pastors, uh, and one spirit-filled, and the other was non-denominational. And we even talked about swapping pulpits, uh, preaching the same sermon series. And that's and right after that is when the homeless shelter emerged, and we all got together and birthed the homeless shelter. Uh, we... Uh, 
then started walking together and realizing that there were different levels of unity and relationship within the, within the churches. Um, the, the basic level is serving. It's serving the poor, serving in the community. We can work very easily with the Roman Catholics, work very easily with the Episcopalians, work very easily with the Baptists about a food center or about a homeless shelter or something like that. Then you cross another bridge when you begin to do ministry together. Uh, we six churches got together and did a VBS uh, at the community college. I remember that, yeah. And uh, one of the first things that came up was about baptism. Are we going to sprinkle or are we going to immerse any of these kids to get saved? And so six churches did that baptism together. And uh, we, we actually, all the senior pastors deferred and let the youth pastors and children's pastors make the decision. And they made the decision to immerse. So I thought to find that interesting. But there was, there, was, uh, there was a whole different level, though. And there's less people that we can do that with uh, because we were now crossing bridges of ministry, which is way different than, than just serving. In fact, uh, one of the Baptist churches in our community a year or two ago held the Strange Fire Conference uh, that was very anti-charismatic. One of the worst things that's happened to the church is the charismatic movement. And so it was very anti-charismatic, and I found out they were hosting it at their church. And they happened to be a pastor uh, uh, in the community that I was loosely affiliated with on a project. And so I went to them, and I said, uh, hey, I see you're hosting this event. What does that mean for us? And he says, we can serve together, but we'll never minister together. And I said, okay. And that was where his line was, not my line. I can minister right with the guy because I'm going to preach Jesus. We're going to stay in the center. So in saying that, I do believe that what the Lord is doing, at least in our community, is providing entry-level opportunities for the Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Spirit-filled, non-denominational to work together. And we've been able to do several big projects that only God can get glory for because no church could have pulled it off. I think we've seen some entry-level ministry opportunities like sharing services with one another, group, uh, group um, uh, VBSs together. Right now I have three things in my inbox. Uh, of A church is contacting me because they're wanting to do a community-wide concert, a community-wide event for the churches, and they want me to get behind it and see if I can help pull that together. So I do think that we're seeing some movement uh, but I, I just, I guess the, the, so one, there's service opportunities that's developing relationships. We trust one another and focus more on love and law. Two, there are opportunities that are happening where we're beginning to do ministry together. But the third thing I'd say is, is that we don't ever want to be the Baptist church and we don't want the Baptist church to change. I want the Baptist church to do what the Baptist church does best, but be in relationship with the Methodist church, Presbyterian church, the Spirit-filled church and all of us be the different parts of the body. And so I think that's the new revelation. I think that for some reason we got the notion that for us to walk in unity mean we had to lose our uniqueness. And what I'm seeing now is people saying, you know what, uh, I'm okay being us, but accepting my brother who's different than me. And just one last thing, I, I was talking to a Baptist uh, pastor recently. A person in his congregation had asked me for a video that I knew about that he needed to watch, he said, I really think our Baptist church is about to go into revival. And he says, I really wanted you know, some feedback. And, um, and so uh, I went to that Baptist pastor and I said, look, your members are leaking everywhere that you're, you're, you guys are near revival. 
If you enter in revival, please call my church and let us work your parking lot. We don't care where it hits. We just want to be part of it, you know? And he said, absolutely. I would call you guys and let you guys come be a part of it. So I'm excited to see those changes in our community. Well, I definitely have uh, have seen that. And I, I you know, in, in my workplace, I work at, uh, you know, I'm not going to say on the podcast, but where I work at, I deal with a lot of people every day. And when I hear that they go to one of the churches that I know we're affiliated with, I'm like, oh, well, I go to yeah. New Covenant Church. And they're like, oh, well, I go to, to uh, such and such uh, church or whatever. And we know we know them really well. We work together at the Pathways Center, yeah. um, you know, which that was definitely a, a godsend there, the Pathways Center, uh, which we'll, we'll probably talk about the next time we have okay. an interview in the future, sure. um, hopefully, uh, you know, in the near future about that. Um, so are there any final thoughts that you have kind of about the, the concept that we have here and, and what you would like to see for not only the Warriors Cry, but, uh, you know, as a whole, as a body of Christ? I, I guess I would just respond by saying, um, James, we need more people like you who are having the conversation uh, that we can allow people to be different. One of the things I'm hoping is if someone disagrees with my stance or my opinion on anything I've said, I hope they'll speak up, make a comment. Hopefully they can do it in love. If they can't, it's okay. I still want them to say something so that we can get different opinions uh, because we, for some reason, feel like that if you don't agree with me on one topic, that we can't do life together. And I think that persecution is coming to the world. I think the church is going to have to unite and gel like it never has before. I think it's going to have to walk in power and walk by faith and supernatural and the now than it ever has before. And so um, I, I applaud efforts like this. That's why I so readily uh, agree to do this is because I think it's what, what the heart of Christ is. And he can do it in peace or he can do it in judgment. And I just pray that we as a body of Christ can begin to recognize each other's uniqueness, celebrate that walk in love, and begin to realize that the goal is not inside the walls of the church, it's in the community. And if we can do that, I believe we can make progress to advance the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I think that, that uh, forums like this give us an opportunity to do that. Well, I definitely thank you for being on uh, The Warrior's Cry, the first episode. Um, I'm excited about to, uh, seeing where this goes. Um, I will leave la one last thought before I stop recording this podcast. And and that is just to remind you listeners that um, we as the body of Christ or the individual church, it's not about the finger. It's about the actual whole body. It's about the kingdom, not the individual house. If you seek to build up your house versus building up the body of Christ or building up the kingdom, then you need to ask yourself whether or not you are truly doing what God has called you to do. So... Thank you for listening, and I want to thank Pastor Nick for being here. Thank you. Um, do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners exactly how they can follow you or or uh, maybe learn more about you? Yeah, you can go on nickconnorcamp.com and uh, read my blog, or you can go to newcovenantchurch.com and watch any of the sermons that we preach. Uh, I am writing a book. I'm about halfway through with my book right now about the modern priesthood, the priesthood of each individual and... and uh, dealing heavily with repentance and forgiveness, but um, uh, they can they can follow that way. But I uh, look forward to being part of this in the future. Well, thank you again for being here, and I really appreciate your time, Pastor Nick. Thanks, sir.
Thank you. I'm so thrilled that I had the opportunity to have Pastor Nick on this month's broadcast. So thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to what we'll be doing in the future. And just so you know, this podcast is basically a passion project of myself and is funded not only by my own pocket, but also by a business that I run on the side called 434 Graphics. 434 comes from John 434, for my meat is to do the will of the Father and to see it to completion. For any printing and marketing needs for your business, just contact me directly at 434graphics at gmail.com. That's 434graphics at gmail.com. In addition to that, if you'd like information concerning being interviewed, or if you know someone that might be interested in interviewing, please send their information to thewarriorscry at gmail.com. Once again, that's thewarriorscry at gmail.com. <laughs>